0: The Web's Michael Smith. It's episode 171 of the Canes cast. And you know what? What's that? We've got a thousand things to talk about.
1: Ah, yes. Jordan Stahl playing his 1,000th game in the National Hockey League on Monday night when the Detroit Red Wings were in town. his brother Mark was also here. That was was nice. And of course, obviously, his family, his parents... Henry and Linda. Henry, who we'll talk to here on episode 171 of Kane's Cast, coming up a bit later. Jared was also in the building, and of course, his lovely wife Heather, two daughters, and son. Yep. So it was a uh, it was a family affair. I guess the only one who couldn't be here was Eric because obviously he's north of the border playing hockey for the for the Montreal
0: Canadiens. But a fantastic ceremony. Yeah. At PNC Arena, just well done all around. Uh, so. We give a a huge congratulations to Jordan Stahl for reaching that milestone. Uh, It is not an easy marker to get to. I know over 350 players in NHL history have done it, but the ones who get there are names that you you know forever. Yeah, Milan Lucic actually reached out there the other night. night. Um,
1: Nicholas Backstrom is a game away from it, I think, at this point. Maybe still two, depending on. um, I'm not really sure the watch. Mark Stahl will get there next
0: year. Yeah. First off, all three of the stalls who were drafted in the first round of Eric, Mark, and Jordan are all going to play a 1,000 games in their career. And by the way, Jared Stahl, who had a great line in the tribute video to Jordan because they played two games together, and it's a a great memory. As uh, Jared played for the Carolina Hurricanes in the organization, there's that great picture of Eric... And Jordan and Jarrett lined up as they started a game because I don't know how you played the other 998 without me must have been tough. Uh, But you know that that kind of goes to show you that the family that they have the the character that they have the caring that they have for for each other it's great to be a part of and I know that we need to congratulate uh, everybody who was part of this but why does it always feel if there's a big milestone. Things like this happen. Like Detroit was in the building and Mark Stahl plays for the Red Wings yeah. for his brother's 1,000th game. He and, was here for that.
1: And it just works out perfectly because, you know, when, when the schedule's put together at the beginning of the season and you you think, okay, Jordan Stahl's X amount of games away from 1,000 and you try to figure out what date that is, it obviously wasn't um, that Detroit game. But because Jordan Stahl missed some games being on the COVID list, because you know, some games got shuffled Shuffle around. around, that ends up being the game. And that's just, it's super cool to see. Um, it, it's kind of like uh, a few years ago uh, when the Hurricanes were in Minnesota. That wasn't Eric Stahl's 1,000th game, uh, but the Wild waited. Uh, I think it was like a week, maybe even two weeks later, after Eric Stahl played his 1,000th game. They waited until the Hurricanes yes. were going to be in Minnesota to run Honor it, yeah, to honor it and, and really uh, bring full circle Eric's career more or less because um, he had just played a handful of game with the Rangers. Uh, it was a really cool, uh, a really cool moment for for Jordan for Eric. Um, uh, very honorable too by the Wild to to uh, to have that ceremony when the Hurricanes were in town. So so then for this to work out to where Mark was uh, was in the building. Thankfully, he wasn't traded on yep. the trade deadline day um, and. He got to, uh, you know, watch his brother get honored for for playing a thousand games. As you said, Mark will reach that next season, hopefully. Um, and I did see too uh, when uh, when the Hurricanes were presenting Jordan with his gifts. Uh, obviously, the painting, the the silver stick, um, and then the players gifted uh Jordan and his brothers a, a trip to Pebble Beach a, a little golf trip and I saw Mark give a little double fist pump on the bench <laughs> I think he really enjoyed uh, uh seeing that and he's he's probably looking forward to to hitting the links with his brothers so it, it really was just um just a great night uh up until the end of the ceremony of course everything after that was was not great we'll get into that but um it was very I I think Jordan doesn't like being the center of attention or in having the spotlight on him and having to talk about himself and his accomplishments. But he deserved every minute of uh, that attention that was given him every minute of uh, the praise that was heaped on him by his teammates, by his coach, by former teammates. Um, he just, he's, he means a lot to this organization. He means a lot to his teammates and to his friends and for him to be honored like that for, for such a momentous milestone uh, is is really cool to see. I have an early one of these for you.
0: If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it
1: right back. Jordan Stahl will be a Selkie finalist this year. I think so. Yep, I'm going to take that. Um, you know, it's you 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 could have made arguments in previous years just because of how good he is defensively, but Rod Brendamore made the point earlier this season that it is truly a a well-rounded, complete sort of two-way forward. And part of that is putting points on the board. And Jordan's done that this year. Um, And, again, if you ask anybody, him, teammates, whatever, they'll say not a lot's changed. It's just the puck's going in. He's got some confidence. And and there is some truth to that. Um, But I think this is the year, really, that everything has kind of come together. And he looks... Uh, similar to, I think the the Jordan that everybody saw in Pittsburgh in those those early years, um, I think he looks quicker on his skates this year. Uh, some of that that um, that straight line speed, uh, the the overtime goal against uh, Nashville comes to mind, where he was able to break away from Ellie uh, Tolvanen uh, and just sort of beat him down the ice. Um, th- that comes to mind. Uh, his his hands have been uh, really good, especially in tight this season. Some of the, uh, the plays he's made on the power play in front of the net. Um, and that's a big reason why he's putting points on the board this year as well, is the fact that he's playing on the first power play unit. So he's playing with guys like Sebastian, Ajo, Dougie Hamilton, Andres Vechnikov, all guys who are going to um, contribute offensively, whether they're shooting the puck of the net and he's getting tips or, or seconds and thirds, or he's dishing off to them and they're making magic happen. So, a lot has gone into his success this season, but I do think um, a Selkie f- uh, nomination, yeah. at least, uh, is is on the horizon. No, I, I think he's going to be one of
0: the three names that will be the finalists for it when we get to the end of the season, and deservedly so. And, and I think in years past, uh, and this is, and I, I get where a guy who won the Selkie trophy twice really has more say on the criteria a criterion, because I know whenever I say that, there's English teachers out there that lose their mind over, are you referring to more than one category or one? Uh, let's just go with what Rod Brindamore said. He would know far better than anyone else what it takes to win that. However, I've always looked at that award of, that's the one where you give the recognition to the guy who sacrifices scoring points to make sure the other guy doesn't. Yeah. So uh, that, to me, has been the award that you look at and say, okay, we'll give the credit to the guys who generally don't get it. Right. But uh, I think this year Jordan Stahl will get his due, and then of course you know Patrice Bergeron's always up for it. So we'll figure out if he's nominated for it again, which he, he normally always is. There's a lot of deserving players for it. Mark Stone in Vegas uh, is up for it, and he's one of the best two way players. And I think really that's what the award has become now. You know, instead of you just say defensive forward, it's the best two way forward in the yeah. National Hockey League, and that's where. The the points really do factor in, and he's gotten the points this year. Uh, Also, as Michael said, we will find out what went into making this journey for Jordan Stahl and the Stahl brothers. Uh, We will be joined by Henry Stahl a little bit uh, later on here in the podcast, but this is a moment to let everybody know this is Kane's cast, and it's brought to you by Storm Brew from the great folks at R&D Brewing. Storm Brew, just 97 calories, 2.4 carbs, and now that people are back in PNC Arena, you can get a 16-ounce can for $5 as you watch the Carolina Hurricanes play hockey. What a deal. What a way to enjoy a great game responsibly with Storm Brew from R&D. Plus, R&D Brewing has more than just Storm Brew,
1: Michael. Thank you. Yes, they have uh, uh, some some delicious seltzers. I know we're getting into those uh, warmer weather days now, so uh, a nice seltzer by the pool or on the beach or Outside on your porch. when no, You can't wait for that. When the pollen disappears, of course. Oh, that's We're all waiting for that. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, Isla hard seltzers. There's uh, black cherry, tropical lemon, raspberry, and key lime for you to enjoy. There's also Riviera, the Mexican lager, Seven Saturdays, and IPA. Really, anything you're looking for, R&D makes it. We recommend Storm Brew because they sponsor the podcast, and it's crushable and crispy and delicious. And you can get it at
0: any of your favorite grocery stores locally within... I think, a reasonable distance here of, of Raleigh, and if they don't have it, ask for it. If they carry R&D Brewing products, they can probably get you a storm brew if it's not at your favorite store.
1: Should we just get to the, uh, the Henry Stahl interview right now?
0: Yeah, I think that's a
1: good way to get there. All right, here we go.
0: Well, Henry Stahl joining us here, and uh, first, Henry, you look back on a 1,000 games for your, your son, Jordan Stahl, then Eric has a thousand marks coming up on a thousand. Uh, and Jarrett had the line of the night for Jordan ceremony, asking how he played the 998 without him. It had to have been tough. Um, when you see the relationship, uh, that, that your boys have, where it seems that they are brothers and great friends, is that one of the things that you look on, on nights like that with that's where the pride really comes from with, with what your boys represent?
2: Yeah. You know what, Mike, that's so true. It's, uh, it, it's kind of what my wife always, Linda always, you know, she's always talking about that. And she's, uh, you know, she's got a come to a large family and then she was always, she's always so you know, interested in her junior and stuff. And, you know, they kind of, well, they all, all went their own way at 15 in some respects, but I think that they kept not only in close contact, but they become pretty good friends. And it's, uh, so it's been, it's been really nice for us and, and, you know, the wives all get along. and of course the and crazy grandkids running around with the, <laughs> the cousins, you know, so it's been, and it's been really good. You know, you're always going to have some spats here and there, but generally it's been that's been really, really satisfying.
1: What was the, uh, the ceremony like for you and, and Linda and, and really the whole family to be there on the ice, uh, with Jordan?
2: Yeah, it was, it was special. They did just a phenomenal job, the hurricanes. I, uh, you know, I didn't know really what to expect, but, uh, I mean, I've gotten, I've had so many, Comments and you know, a little. I guess I you don't know Jordan told you, but a little Lila there is a second little girl. She didn't quite get it, and, and she thought Jordan was leaving. She thought he was being traded or something, so she he was she was crying. It was so cute, but uh, yeah, no, they they did a really good job, and it was uh, it was well put together, and it was uh, you know, it was I think uh, it was almost lot well, too much but uh, I you, you know guys know what Jordan is like he yeah, yeah. It, it's not really up his alley and you know <laughs> was, uh, he thought it was pretty cool all wearing number 11 and that sort of thing but you know at the, the end he, yeah <laughs> he, he, he obviously says he's kind of glad it's over in some ways you know get back to back to the business of, of, of being a team and trying to win games
1: it's when you look back on um, when jo- uh, of Jordan's a thousand games in the in the National Hockey League and then uh, I would ima- I haven't tallied them up, but I imagine close to a hundred, maybe even over a hundred in the postseason. Uh, are there any memories that that kind of stick out in your mind uh, of some of some signature Jordan Stahl, uh hockey memories?
2: Oh boy! Well, of course, like and you know, you uh, you know it's funny. Just you know, right from from when he was just a, a little guy, and he well, he was never really a little guy, but he, he was a <laughs> young younger, and he. <laughs> He played. He played up on Mark's team, and Mark was at. Uh, long story. Basically, they they, they had uh, two ages out where we lived because we didn't have a lot of kids. So they had uh, I can't remember it was, uh, nines and tens and elevens or something, and or nines and tens. And Jordan was, of course, two years younger, and you know he was kind of. We kept we bumped him up and. And it was so fun. He was, he was, he, even at that, at that time, he was like kind of the shortest lookup, but he was so much younger than everybody. And, and he was, uh, you know, he was just, coach, would tell him, okay, you go out there, as a five on three and, and kill the five on three. And Jordan was like, and I, he, I could see, I even asked him, like, see, look at the coach. When the coach comes to me later and said, did you mean me? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you go out there. <laughs> and, you know, a little, a little fart did pretty good too, you know, but uh, stuff like that. I don't know. And of course, the Stanley Cups in his first first yeah. game and, you know, in Pittsburgh and in the Stanley Cups and the Stanley Cup, I should say, but, yeah. uh, you know, in Detroit, that was uh, just to see what it meant to him was pretty special for us.
0: Was and, he? Uh, uh, I was going to say, was was he always the quiet one of, of the four? You know, where you say he doesn't like the attention. Is is that one of those things where you just, you always noticed one of them's going to bounce, one's going to be the talker, one's going to be the quiet one. Was he always the quiet one?
2: Yeah, generally he was kind of the quiet one. That uh, yeah, he, he let his uh, he let his arms and his legs do the talking most of the uh, <laughs> time. You know, he, do, he, he was good thing he was he was a bit of a gentle giant because he could probably he could have hurt a lot of people, including his brothers. But uh, but yeah, he he's he's always been a little bit on on the uh, you know quieter than. But I mean, in the right setting, like anybody, he can he's got he's got a pretty keen sense of humor. Sometimes some of the texts I get from him are pretty hilarious. But. Mark just has that quicker wit. Him and Jared have that quick wit that uh, you know that can can uh, can get people. But now Jordan's always been kind of the quiet guy, and uh, but, you know, I mean, never boring, but yeah. mm-hmm. you know, a, little, a little quieter than the other two.
1: What does uh, what does it mean for you as a parent and and for Linda as well to to see your boys uh, grow into the not only the hockey players they've become, but the men they've become?
2: Yeah, it, it's obviously very satisfying and I don't want, you know, I don't take a lot of credit for that. I mean, when there's, uh, you know, we, we, we're fortunate, I guess, in some ways, but, uh, you know, I give my wife a lot of credit for that. But yeah, you know, I, I'm, we're really, really, you know, happy with, with the way things have gone so far and, and with that and on that end of it off the ice and, you know, with the, with their families and they're really both all just, phenomenal dads I mean I, I could take it I should take a page out of their books but uh, you know I wasn't always quite you know I was like cats in the cradle sometimes not home <laughs> enough but um, you know so that that's uh, that's something that we're that's been really special
0: well Henry we know the story of the, the sod farm but we also know the story of your boy's work ethic. Was that always there? Now, this is where we go to truth time. Was that always there, or did you have to, you know, do you only have to tell tell these guys once, tell Jordan to do something once, and it got done? Or, you know, are they like regular teenage boys? Uh, maybe maybe once or twice you had to remind them what to do.
2: Yeah, you know what? It was funny because and Jordan probably of, of, of the four was the one that, and it wasn't that he, he was lazy by any stretch, but he just didn't like, Doing sod, he didn't like laying sod. And Eric was Eric would be like hanging on from the time he was a little kid. He always wanted to go. He wanted to. Like, he wanted to. You know, he wanted to, wanted to work that. And not that Jordan, but he didn't like it. <laughs> and sometimes he would complain. And, and but he always do it because that's just the way it was. Yeah. you didn't. You know, you complain, but you were going to go and do it. And I remember it was my brother, my partner was time, and Jordan. You know, he could throw sod when he was twelve, like most <laughs> most adults, but he was not, you know, kind of grumpy, you know, but he obviously had to do it, and he did. But you know, after a while, he, my, my his uncle said to Jordan, "Don't, don't. If you're going to work here, I don't want, I don't want that sad face around you. I don't want, you know, I don't want you to be grumpy. I want you." To... <laughs> so Jordan was probably of the four boys the one that didn't like it. So maybe that's why he tried harder and made it earlier. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He wasn't a big uh, he sod. He's
1: not going to be a sod farmer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> one of, the, uh, one of uh, what Jordan said, one of his favorite photos is uh, the photo of him and Eric and Jared, 11, 12, 13, lined up on the blue line here. Uh, for you uh, as a parent, just how cool was it to see uh, three of your sons, and, and really it should have been Mark on the other blue line too, uh, lined up ready to play in the, in the same NHL game?
2: You know, it, uh, I've been asked that a few times, and in all honesty, that, I mean, you know, Stanley Cup in Carolina, Stanley Cup in, in Pittsburgh, and, and, you know, and obviously all these games, and, and Game 7 elimination games, but that by far, by far was the most, and I don't, I mean, not, it's not, I don't get, I get excited, but I never get, and, and as, like anything, you know, you, you do it a lot, or you're watching a lot, you don't get as, Wound up in it as I used to, but uh, that was by far the most nervous I've been for any any NHL game. Stanley Cup didn't matter what it was. I was just I just wanted I didn't want Jared to like uh, get out there, fall on his face, and just look so out of place that that it was embarrassing, you know. And, and maybe it was a more a fear thing. And I was happy for him. Yeah. And, and yeah, a little bit sad that Mark couldn't have you know been in that game. Uh, that would have been like the icing on the cake. But by far, that's that was it. Was it was the coolest and the and and at the same time scariest moment of of hockey that I've ever experienced.
0: Uh, I want to go back to uh, as you mentioned. You, you're pretty level watching. I mean, with all of the hockey that you've had to watch, Henry, you've watched more than I think almost any other human on the planet with uh, your son's games <laughs> and what they played. But when you mentioned, you you just told the story of how you know Jordan, you know, two years younger than everybody in his group, go out and kill the five on three. Uh, was was that yeah. something? Did he as he was growing up in the game was, you know, everybody wants to score goals, we know that, but did did you kind of notice he was the guy who was taking the sense of pride and no, I like being the defensive guy. I like put me against the other team's best. I want to shut him down. Did you did you kind of get the sense that was the player he was was turning into and wanted to be?
2: Yeah, I actually from a young age, and and, and uh, I mean, know I, I know Eric Eric was and and you know he loved. I mean, everybody loves to score goals. Don't get it wrong. Jordan yeah. loves to score goals too. And it, it just you know it it just gives you more confidence and everything. But he took a lot of pride in in doing that, and and I think with Jordan as a younger player, especially, he he really took pride in, in and I know a lot of guys are like that, but he he would try to to you know give a maybe a kid that wasn't that good, and he would he would do. Earned us to get that kid a goal or to pass it to him when he probably should, never should have passed it to him. That sort of thing. He's always been like that uh, from from a small kid, and uh, you know, and that's kind of always been his his mo. And yeah, he's uh, he's always thinking. A lot of times he's thinking defense first, and Eric is, thinks offense first. And there's just two different players, and that's just the way they are. And you know, Mark, uh, of course, Mark's a D guy anyway. So you know, that's kind of the, you know, he, he's like anybody. They want to. see, He'd like to get you know being on the offense, because that's what uh, that's what people, that's all they talk about. But uh, yeah, no, Jordan was absolutely, that was, that, he was like that for a young boy.
0: Well, uh, again, not to get you wound up, and in, in going back to what happened on Monday night on on the video, is the other part of it, we know what a tremendous player Jordan is, and, and what he brings on the ice, and, and even if it, like it's, I've joked with, with people, and then you get serious with them, you're like, he does so many things that don't show up on a stat sheet. So many things that Mm -hmm. help your team win. It's more than just goals and assists. Mm -hmm. I know that at some point that that had to, you know. I know that that might irk some people, but when you hear like Rod Brindamore say that he's he's been the exact same player every minute he's been here, is that kind of when you're like a dad, you're like, yeah, this is what he does. He'd love to score forty, but this is what he does. Yeah, I
2: know, and it's and you know even even I know I know Jordan sometimes himself he doesn't appreciate what he does. Honestly, he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, because it doesn't show up in the score sheet sometimes, and, you know, he maybe miss uh, whatever this chance. But, yeah. I mean, you you uh, I talked to Mark. He said, if, if I had Jordan as my sentiment on every shift, he said, my, my job would be so much easier because he's so good in his own zone. He's so responsible. You know, and, you know, Jordan, after all, doesn't want to hear that because, you know, I, I like everybody, <laughs> you want to score. But, you know, this year it's been a little bit better. I mean, he's been on the power play. You know, he's winning draws, you know, getting oh, – just his points as well, but just yeah. feeling a part, more part of the offense. But, but even if he doesn't, I know exactly what Roddy thinks. Roddy was the exact same player, right. right? Maybe he had a little more offense than Jordan is, but, uh, does, but, you know, they were very, very, very similar players in that way. And both, you know, character guys that, that just did what they had to do and were, and were good at it.
0: All right, and uh, one last thing, and I don't want to get wound up on, on this, Henry and Henry Stahl, kind enough to take some time out here to talk to us about his son Jordan and his his sons who've played in the National Hockey League. But uh, when I was watching the the video tribute that uh, was was up here and then everything that was done afterwards, everybody talked about the player, but then it was the man right away. You know, best friend, don't have to ask him for anything. He'll be there for you. Uh, is You look at, at the character and the person that, that Jordan has become. Uh, there's some stories certainly we can all share about it. Uh, not yeah. asking you to to yeah. get too too personal on this one, Henry, for lots of reasons because you know Jordan you know. doesn't want Jordan doesn't want the no. uh, attention for it. I but <laughs> uh, how when you you see everybody come up to you and tell you you know you know you're gonna get he's a good hockey player, but to hear all of the things that he's done behind the scenes that you probably didn't know about. Cause he's not going to tell you where that's where you're like, okay, no. you know, he, he, he gets it. And I don't have to worry about this guy.
2: Right. I mean, I, I, I yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 obviously yeah, I don't know all the stories. I know some of them, and you know, I'm not going to, you know, you know, repeat any, any of them for, for whatever reason, yeah. but, but I mean, basically, I mean, even growing up and, and, and I mean, they all have different characters, but I always said to jo- about Jordan, if I was talking to Jordan, I'd say, you know, he's a big man with a bigger
1: heart, and that's what he is. Yeah,
0: 100%. Henry, thank you so much for taking the time. We, we greatly appreciate it. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's it's really fun watching the stalls in the playoffs because they always seem to come up with big moments, big power play goals or <laughs> big overtime goals. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I it's, it's, so. it's yeah, proof. So. We've seen it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I hope that continues. I don't know, maybe it'll continue in Montreal as well. But, I you know, I mean, obviously, but uh, not Detroit. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Carolina's got a great team, and uh, it's going to be fun to see where where it takes them. So we'll, we'll, it's, uh, it's always fun.
1: Excellent, Henry. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay.
2: No problem. Thank you.
1: Our thanks to Henry Stahl for joining us here on Cain's Cast. What a great family. Oh, tremendous family.
0: Uh, remind me one day. I don't know if I'll ever get full clearance, but there's
1: a story I need to share. Okay. Uh,
0: one maybe, day. Maybe one day. Down the line.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What? And, and this kind of leads me into one of the questions I did want to touch on is, you know, Jordan Stahl's played, obviously, 1,000 games in the NHL. Uh, 569 of those have come with nice. the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. Um, nice. Um, so, of those... 569 games. What do you have a moment that sticks out with you? And obviously, there's some more in the playoffs as well. Oh, I have, yeah. And there's some really good ones in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a, really good a, ones. A playoff moment stands out for me first, uh, and that was in the Islander series after the Canes just beat the Washington Capitals. I know we're talking, you're asking of the 569 well, regular season games that he's
1: played. Well, you, um, I think you have to include playoffs because that's, you know, when you think about great moments in sports history. There a lot of it is but a lot of them are playoff moments because so, those are the games that that really, you know, mean something. So I'm gonna go and maybe some recency bias here for me. Uh,
0: he's done a lot of incredible things. You know, he's had the funny thing is he's had nights where you don't notice the other team's best player and he was at his best and that's I could point to those. Yeah. But let me go to game one in the Barkley Center in round two of the playoffs two seasons ago. The Canes just win in double overtime over Washington, and then Jordan Stahl on the back door in overtime. I'm, I'm on a radio call of the game. That's uh, the first playoff game victory I get to call, uh, and it's it's phenomenal. and Just the, the read and the play that he makes and the Canes win that game and of course sweep the Islanders and then go on to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then Tripp yells, Consume me. Yeah, well I was going to leave that <laughs> okay. one conveniently out, but now it's brought up there. And it's it's out there for the world to hear. You it can is. you yeah, can
1: Google it. It's there. It's a part of the call forever now.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> and I actually I'm I'm actually fine with it because I, I think, think it just perfect. makes it it makes it even better legendary if you will on top of that goal
1: it was uh, that that whole and jordan said it himself when i talked to him it was sort of like a dream yeah that game yeah because it it that whole
0: 48 hours from the end of the the cap series to
1: that was insanity yeah you you, the 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 caps victory happens what at midnight maybe give or take around midnight or so and then you know there's there's post-game stuff that happens you're you're celebrating there's there's work for for us to do then travel arrangements to new york which you know we we take off the very next day well if you
0: remember you had to find a new hotel in washington
1: to stay at to go to new york the next day that's right and then you know arriving in new york and and trying to wrap you know our heads around the fact that oh but another series is starting the very next day that starts the very next day and the when you compare like the the feeling from the first series, which was very emotional and physical and intense, and then the next series was a, a lot different. Yeah, uh, I mean it was still a grind because it's the Islanders and and that's what they do. But it just it had this completely different feel. And then and then the goal happens in overtime, and it, it was just it felt like a dream. So I think I think that call and um uh you know the the winner and then and then trips uh, trips antics. I think that it just makes um. It just makes that moment, I think, even more special. You, you bring that up, and then obviously he scores uh, the goal in Game 7 in Washington to tie the game in the third period. Basically a, a virtually identical goal to the one Eric scored on Martin Brodeur in Game 7 in New Jersey in 2009, late in regulation yep. to win it. Um, kind of the the signature stall shot. Eric scored it again in overtime in his first game in a Montreal Canadiens yep. sweater here recently. Um uh, and really Jordan scored one the other night, just like it too, uh, against the Red Wings. So, um, that's, that's definitely a signature shot, but, um, that's one of my favorite memories, the game seven goal, obviously. Yep. Uh, and even at the the game before in game six here, he has the go ahead goal, uh, in the third period to, to help force that game seven. So really back to back to back games where Jordan stall factors and huge for the hurricanes in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm,
0: For me, there's a couple other moments. A few years ago, I was between the benches when the Hurricanes were playing the Predators, as fate would have it, because that's their opponent for the next two games here. And Jordan Stahl, not really a talker. And when I say not really a talker, doesn't talk trash, doesn't talk back to the, the other team. But he and Ryan Johansson got into it. And Jordan Stahl got off... A world-class chirp that I, I cannot repeat. Oh, man. I can't repeat. Are you sure? If we were other podcasts, I could, but I'm not going to repeat it. We can bleep it. But no, I was shocked because it came out of Jordan Stahl. So that was a memory that sticks with me. But basically, Johansson was chirping Stall, and Jordan, as he was coming to the bench, and it's the the period where the forwards are closer to center ice, Right. Jordan had a... V- very curt word for Ryan Johansson. Oh. And then basically told him, be better. <laughs> it was great. Um, but this year, two things stand out. Uh, again, the Nashville Predators, the overtime goal that he scored. You've already highlighted that, Michael. Yep. But go all the way back to the Canes' overtime win against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is a game that was a one nothing game. Uh Trying to get uh, the exact date of it for uh, posterity's sake, it was on January 28th yep. here at PNC Arena. Mm-hmm. Marty Natchez gets the game-winning goal, but Stahl jumps on the ice for Ajo. Ajo makes a good change, but Jordan Stahl jumps on the ice, stays on side, gets the puck, and sauces it yep. to Natchez, yep. and the Canes win the game one nothing. And that was a heck of a hockey game. Yeah, uh, but those
1: recency bias i know but regular season those things kind of stand out for me for yeah them. and obviously the 11 12 13 yes absolutely was i mean because that's a season that uh, largely forgettable you know other than that but uh, to see that happen was a special moment for his family jordan said it's one of uh, the favorite his favorite pictures that he has is the picture of them on the blue line and and really mark should have been on the other blue line yeah. but he was out with an eye injury unfortunately he was in the building for that game which was which was nice but um and then uh yeah, I I had fun looking back um, you know, when 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 I was doing my research for these pieces and, and watching Jordan Stahl's uh first uh first goal with the Canes again. Um I didn't realize it was on James Reimer, who is now obviously a teammate. Uh and the defensive coverage that the Leafs opted to use uh was very interesting because there were two hurricanes in the corner. Uh, I think it was Patrick Dwyer and Jeff Skinner and the Leafs opted to send four players into the corner to cover those two. Meanwhile, Jordan Stahl was all alone in front. There was nobody around him. James Reimer's got his stick out like, uh, hey, guys, I want to cover this guy. And then he gets the puck, makes a little move, and and scores a goal. Um, And that was in the shortened uh, 12-13 season. So that was cool, obviously. Um, And just the fact that he got to play a few seasons with his brother here Obviously, they would have liked it to work out better on the ice. Yeah, they would like the results that they're having now. Sure, exactly. But that was that's pretty cool because, and I started thinking about this too with with uh, with Andre and Evgeny playing against each other in in the NHL. Like when when you're dreaming, when you're a young child and you're dreaming of playing in the NHL, if then you you could play against or even better with your with yeah. your brother, it's so cool. It's so cool, and Absolutely. for that family. Um, to just see the success uh, that the Stallboys are having in the NHL and even Jared getting his couple of games here was uh w- was pretty cool to see. So it's been um it's been an excellent career uh for for Jordan Stall. I still think there's a lot of miles left. I oh. know it's 15 years yeah that he has in,
0: but I think there are a lot of miles left on that tire.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. Um you know, he's it's obviously been uh He's been playing out this this ten year contract extension that he signed uh, right after he he got traded to the Hurricanes, but but um, but yeah, I think I think there's still some uh, some tread on the tires. I mean, he's only thirty two, and I say only thirty two in that for a hockey player. I mean, you you've still got I think some mileage left. I think it's going to kind of depend on what happens in these next couple of years, in the last couple of years of his his contract, yeah. but. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as long as he still feels up to it, still feels like he can compete, um, I still think he can play another couple hundred games in the national hockey. Oh, yeah. I don't see why not. I think absolutely that that is attainable for him. I think Dougie career. Hamilton in his video said a couple more thousand, which I don't think he's going to quite get there. Hey! But it would be impressive. Why not? Yeah, why not? Just saying. Uh, yeah. Um, do you want to touch on what happened after the ceremony? Very briefly, sure. Let's go in reverse. Okay,
0: uh, last three games that the Canes have played in reverse.
1: Yes, uh, since we last talked to you last Wednesday, uh, what happened after it was was bad.
0: It was the worst game of the season that the Hurricanes played. Yeah, said so to a man and by the head coach. The end. Yeah, that, that's basically it. I mean, I don't think there. I don't think there's anything else you you need to revisit except for I thought James Reimer was outstanding. Yeah, uh, he you know he so. gave. The the Canes a chance to win the game. And and this, all right, let me pull this out of the the game. They weren't good. No. And it was still nothing, nothing after two periods with a chance to win a game. That's right. That they weren't good. Yeah. And that's what this team has been doing. But this was the first time this year where, especially after Adam Ernie scores early in the third period, I don't know about you, I got the sense of like, I don't don't think it's there tonight. Yep, uh, and it proved you know I can do this. That's like a hindsight's twenty twenty. I can say that's what the feeling was, but that was kind of my feeling. I'm like, if the Canes do not tie this up and tie this up quickly, this this is going to go Detroit's way. And give Detroit credit, you know yep. they're 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 scrappy. I don't know why people forget about this in pro sports. The other team gets a check too. Yeah, you know they get paid to play. They have pride. Uh, the trade deadline was over for them, so pressure was off for guys who were thinking they were going to get dealt. And I know that this we, – we've got some questions about this that we'll get to in a, a larger sense. But, you know, they, they've got talented players in Detroit. And if you don't play your best in this league, you're going to get beat. You, and I love – Rod Brindamore has said this a few times as the head coach of this franchise, when his team has not given the effort required to win the game. Yeah, which God, has what, not been much. Oh, my gosh. Like, we, we could probably count it on one hand. Yeah, in Since two he's and been a half the head years. coach. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. We got
1: what we deserved. Yep. You move on. Yeah, exactly. And that's look, it's it's you can dwell on the game oh, as much Why? as you want, but it exactly. It's not gonna make much of a difference. No, they've think,
0: got fifteen games left. You move on to in the way the games have come this year, Michael, I don't get this whole hand wringing. Like if this was if the Canes were in a bit of a spiral, like if they had or if lost five of their last six and then that happens, yeah. all right,
1: now you shrug your shoulders and say, Is
0: there something if, that we're looking at here
1: or if they're you know five six you know fighting for that four spot then yeah sure maybe it's a problem but when it's the team's 10th regulation loss in their 41st game i shrug it off and move on and that's i think exactly what the hurricanes are yeah. going to do you just shrug it off you move on and you face an ashville predators team that's that's hot uh yeah. and that you could potentially match up in the first round of the playoffs against i mean that's that's really what it comes down to i think it's it's if you said if you had told me before the season that hey the hurricanes are going to lose 10 games in regulation in the first 41 games i would have been i would have taken that in an instance it, it doesn't matter when those 10 losses happen um yeah it's it, it was an ugly game and it was bad and um you know the effort wasn't there and you'd obviously like to see the team be better but go ahead and get that out of your system now um take the off day on Tuesday get away from the rink the the, the last two-day gap in between games this season just happened so get away from the rink on Tuesday come back on Wednesday like the team did today at practice and get better and then come forth with a better better effort on Thursday that that's really that's going to be the most telling thing is it, it's not that the team lost to Detroit whatever looked bad it's how do you respond yeah. on Thursday against uh, Nashville
0: and the team's still 14 three and four at PNC Arena 27, 10 and four overall, still tied
1: for first place, and six, in the in the Central Division, six, three, and one in your last ten. I mean, yeah. it, it's still the numbers are all still good. Games like that are bound to happen at some point. Just let it happen now to a team that you know. It's it's almost better that it happens against a team like Detroit because you're giving away points to a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I see that. You know, I and I agree with that. It's not like.
0: This was that kind of effort against Florida or Tampa Bay, and now they're going to leapfrog in front of you, yep. and it, it's costing you standing. I get that. I want to go back to I think I've said this before on this podcast. Is one of my favorite quotes from Steve Logan, the former head coach of East Carolina football. Yep. And he talks about wins and losses. And football is a little bit different because the season is so short. You, you only have so many games that you're going to play, and we're talking college football at the time to boot. But the way that this season is set up, I think it's the exact same thing. And he would say, if you'd win a game, that's great. What are you going to do with it if you win? Meaning moving on to the next one. If you lose a game, it's what are you going to do about it? Yep. And the Canes have an opportunity to do something about the way that they played on Monday night, and they'll try to correct anything that they might feel is a problem with their game on Thursday. And I think they will because this Nashville team, as Michael has pointed out, has all of a sudden got as hot as a pistol they are eight and two in their last 10
1: i want to say they're th- they've won 13 of their last 16 sounds right which is also pretty I, good i thought that they were one of those teams that was me too ready to to just
0: say okay fold it up call this season uh, an off year it was a weird year they were dealing with a lot of injuries but and they're, they're still dealing with oh, yeah. a decent amount but they might, they might get in. Uh, the, I think they are the I, team. The team that I thought was going to get there, the Dallas Stars, maybe just too many injuries there. As we're taking a, a bigger look at the Central. All right, so that's the spinoff of that. Let's go to uh, the game on Saturday where the Canes lose in overtime to Detroit. I thought a shootout. I thought the Hurricanes had an outstanding first period. Yeah. I thought that the game was there again to be won. There is a controversial ish call Nino Niederreiter thought he had an equalizing goal and he gets called for goaltender interference that he clipped the skate of of Thomas Grice as he was in the crease but how did he get there did you know Alex Biega get him there did he do enough to get out of the way I thought he had the game tying goal but it gets taken off the boards goes to the situation room in Toronto they say no goal but then the Canes come right back and Sebastian Ajo ties it and Carolina is able to get a point
1: yeah, that's one of those where I think it's, um, well, one, it's former video coach LJ Scarpace getting his revenge on the Canes. Um, but it's also one of those that's a total toss-up, and if you're the Red Wings, why not try to challenge it? Yeah, that, you know? well,
0: that's why, because I remember Tripp turns to me and he goes, well, I don't, you know, why, why would you make the challenge here? Because if it is the game-tying goal, now you're going to set yourself up. Uh, with that and, and trip was looking at it just from as we were waiting for the replay yeah to yes or no make the call not you know when you see it you could definitively do it we were waiting for the angles and that was my thought you're Detroit what do you have to lose you yeah. know
1: going in that you had 13 wins on the season you right. have nothing to lose by doing this. and the only the only way you can take a goal off the board is to challenge it yeah. so you might as well
0: um and it, and it wasn't even that trip thought that it was a, a wrong challenge or a bad call he we were just waiting for right. The replay, so and that's I, one of the things that you ask, like, hey, it's a gamble for
1: this team, and and, and I'm I'm with you on and it. I and I think the call was fine. I mean, I I have no real qualms yeah. about. It. I mean, if it's if it's the other situation, I'm probably wanting yeah. a goaltender interference too. So, um, and like you said, it didn't end up mattering because yeah. Sebastian Ajo scored the game tying goal anyway. Yeah. Um, by the way, Trip was correct on the other
0: challenge that happened on Monday night as well. I had that right off the bat. So
1: yeah, and that was that was um. That was a close one too. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those where since the call on the ice was side, it just it was way too close to. And apparently, the blue line camera didn't have a great angle. Yeah. I also
0: think it's one of those things where the blue line is now that it's raised. Remember, if your skate was off the ice, right? If you look, you know, the heel, and it was Adam Ernie who ended uh, up yeah. being the goal scorer. Yep, his heel was off of the ice, gotcha. but I think it was on the blue line. I don't. I yeah, didn't get all of the looks of it, but yeah. That's it. All right. So, but the Canes, you know, that's where we talk about them. The resilient Carolina Hurricanes come back. They get a point, as you mentioned, in the shootout. Had a chance to get two, but they got a point. Andre
1: Svechnikov with a nice shootout goal, too.
0: Yeah. He is, he's starting to get good at that. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that, uh, right now it's not the best of times as far as the offensive production for number 37 for the Carolina Hurricanes, but I, I can
1: kind of, can kind of sense that it's coming. He scored, um, Basically, the exact same goal today in practice. Today being Wednesday, of course, uh, April fourteenth. In you know the little uh, shootouts that they do during drills, he scored basically the exact same shootout goal. So maybe there is you know something cooking there for for thirty
0: seven. And then let's go back to last week. The how quickly we forget as the Carolina Hurricanes took two games from the Florida Panthers that moved Carolina into first. Yep. Uh, and the last game was a 3-0 shutout victory for Alex Nadalkovich over the Panthers. Sebastian Ajo, Vincent Trocek, and Marty Natchez, who had gone a couple of games, five, in fact, without a point, after being the second star of the week. He had a goal, empty netter, and an assist, two points. He then went on a two-game run of multiple-point games. Uh, so it was good to get that going, but you know, it's funny because people look at the Canes are three three and one against Detroit this year in seven games. They're five zero and one against the Florida Panthers. Yeah, so it's
1: it's, it's weird. It is weird. I, I don't really know how to explain it. I mean, it's look, it's I think it's just one of those weird things, and and it goes back to what we were talking about before the season is that it's just going to be hard to win every game you play against these opponents, even Detroit even a, a, a depleted you know even a, a detroit club without anthony mantha yeah
0: i was gonna ask you what sports do you follow besides hockey like regularly where you pay attention to where teams are and what goes on football football tough because it's such a small schedule and you don't play yeah. opponents more than twice unless they're in your division and college football you only play everybody once college basketball college basketball it's, I was kind of I was trying to go for a similar thing with that, yeah. Uh, but generally, really good teams in college basketball don't lose to the bad teams in their conference. Generally, doesn't happen. I mean, it'll happen every now and again. Is
1: that any any given Sunday phrase in football? But what hockey has come down to, and
0: for other sports, as people know, I'm a big baseball fan. I know you know that. Yep. And when you go back to the, I'm a Yankee fan, so people are gonna whatever yeah that's fine if you don't like winning that's your I knew it that's your problem not I mine knew it. yeah if you don't like winning go ahead be that way <laughs> uh but the Yankees even when they were you know dominant in the mid 90s and in late 90s there was always a team in the division or or in the league the American League that you're like oh they're just gonna steamroll this team and they would have problems with them, you know always and I never sat back and went why can't they beat this team I'm like well The other team probably gets up for playing this team. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's there's some of that. And I hate doing the human nature because I don't think this is part of the equation here. But you look at the standings. We're in first. They're in last. And you're like, all right, our the uniforms will roll them out and that'll be enough to get us a win. It, you can't do that anymore in sports. Yeah, you can't. And I'm not saying that's the mentality that the Canes have.
1: Yeah, It, it, it could be. Cause I think that's only human in some ways to think, okay, well maybe we can. And Sebastian Ajo and, and uh, you know, mentioned it yeah. that maybe they got a little too cute yeah. and maybe that's what you did t- that you try to do. You're like, okay, maybe I can make this play that I can't usually yes. make or, or try this. And, and that just, it doesn't work. And Sometimes against teams, this is going to sound
0: very disparaging to teams that don't play well. Okay, so cover your ears, Detroit. Well, lots of other teams. And Ottawa. If you play Buffalo, and Anaheim, I mean, there's there's a few. But if you play the game the right way and hard, they stop playing because they're like, we don't have anything else to play for. If you make the night hard for them, a couple of guys are still going to – remember, they're playing for contracts. They're playing to stay in the league. They're playing to – you know, move on or or whatever it would be the, the team that that's in last, there's plenty of motivation to play. But if you say we're going to play a really hard game against you tonight, you got to come through us in order to win teams that don't have winning records or know how to win, don't want to play that game. Yeah. So don't get cute. You know, it's, it's one of those things don't get for pitching. You never want to get beat with your third best pitch. So just come out and throw your first best. throw your first pitch, throw your best pitch and, and, Nine out of ten times, you'll wear a team down. But this Detroit team has talent. Yeah. They really do. Michael Rasmussen was a top ten pick.
1: Yeah, and uh, Steve Eiserman I think, did a good job at the trade deadline. Yes. Stocking up on uh, some pieces and some picks. Um, And speaking of the trade deadline and speaking of Anaheim, the Hurricanes made their one deal of the deadline with the Anaheim Ducks. Part of the thousand things we're talking about here. Yes, sending Hayden Fleury West uh, in exchange for uh, Yanni Hakimpa. Uh, which I think I nailed. You did, ish. I hope so. That's how I plan on saying it. So, <laughs> and then and a six round pick, a six round pick in the twenty twenty two NHL draft, uh, kind of a D for D swap. Yep. Um, but addressing
0: a need for what the Canes had, a right shot D who's six foot five, uh, two hundred and I think he's listed as two eighteen, but I think he plays a little bit heavier than that. And correct my math on this one, wasn't it one hundred and sixty eight hits? That's right. Coming in over the, in
1: forty-two games, third in the National Hockey League, yeah, of all skaters, yeah, um, just a big fella who hits bodies, yeah, and that's, um, and he's you, a third, he's a
0: third pairing guy who can kill penalties, but right. he brings that jam, that physical play to the blue line. That if people were looking for a comparison, it's the Joel Edmondson role of last year
1: for yeah. the Carolina Hurricanes. It's Cedric Paquette on the back on end. on the back end, exactly. And it's when you look at the two trades the Hurricanes have made this year the the move to acquire Paquette, and then the move to acquire Hakimpa, they're very similar in that it's it's about fit. Mm-hmm. The Hurricanes haven't necessarily, um, you know, gone after that splashy move. They've more so looked to address a very specific need. Well, they did the splashy moves last season. That's right, bringing in Vincent Trocheck, bringing in Brady Shea. That's right, and um, and really the splashiest move of them all. Is going to get Tavo Teravainen back in the lineup, which hopefully happens sooner rather than later. Yeah. But you know, we should say obviously the yeah. no timetable on that yet. Again, concussion—you don't know. He's been skating, but he hasn't yet joined the team, so still some question marks there. But that's that's really the splashiest move the Hurricanes are going to make up front. Yeah, is getting him back in the lineup. So and I this, think that's
0: how they approach this
1: deadline. Yeah. Going, we're going to get this back. This balances out. The defensive pairs, lefty and righty in each pair, you've got um, a stay-at-home defenseman who you compare with Jake Bean as yep. it was in practice on Wednesday, or with Jake Gardner perhaps as well. Um, it just it brings balance. It's just a better fit. And for Hayden Fleury, he's going to get an elevated opportunity in Anaheim uh, to really showcase uh, why he was the seventh overall pick uh, in the 2014 yep. NHL draft. Uh, so it's a good opportunity for him. Yes, It's a trade that I think works for both teams. And that's why the Hurricanes made the trade they did, the one trade that they did, and they felt comfortable with the team they had. Uh let's go
0: back to Hayden Fleury on this for just a second. Uh I think that you just hit the nail on the head. This is a fit for
1: him too, going yep. the other way.
0: Yeah. This is gonna be a chance for him maybe to get top four minutes. Well, that's he goes, in Anaheim.
1: He goes from being a six sometimes seven to probably a three four yeah. in Anaheim, which is which is good for him. I mean at the worst four five. Yeah. You
0: know, he's, he's going to be a top-two pairing. He's going to get minutes. He's going to play. I think that we saw last year him take that step forward in the bubble against the Rangers in the, what, what is it, playing?
1: The the qualifiers. Qualifying round, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, in the playoffs. We saw him take that step forward, and I think that this year you saw flashes of it and then, you know, trying to find it. And trying to find consistency on the blue line in this league is one of the hardest things to do. Uh, and, and I think that he's getting there and I think that sometimes a change of scenery is good for a player. And I wish I wish that guy nothing
1: but the best. Oh, a hundred percent. And
0: I think he'll do I think he'll do fine yeah. in Anaheim. I think that he will fit in. Uh, I I think that there is uh, a place
1: for him like we were just talking about, a place for him to play and get that role. So And it also, uh, you know, looking ahead to the expansion draft, that played a factor in sure. it too. A small factor, I think, in that the Hurricanes uh, we know Fleury is going to be an attractive uh, an attractive piece for, for Ron Francis. Yes. He was his first draft pick as a general manager. Yes. He would have been left unprotected here uh, with the Hurricanes, so that kind of takes that out of the equation. Maybe now you protect another defenseman or you open up a slot to protect yep. a forward, um, or you or you just don't have to worry about losing him for nothing. For nothing.
0: You get a six-round pick, and we'll see how Yanni Hockenpah right. plays out the, the 15 games in the, the playoffs here yeah. for the Carolina Hurricanes. So, yeah, I think that that is factored into it. Also, trade deadline day, I think that was something that teams were looking at because the expansion draft is now something that you are staring at. I think a flat cap was something that teams were looking at about trying to add salary or trying to make salary work. How many deals brought in San Jose or Detroit or somebody else to take money off of a contract for a guy to be shipped someplace else right
1: trades I mean, had to pass through a third team as like the the bank
0: of the deal first time i know it's happened but it's a rarity but first time i ever saw draft picks for a draft three drafts from now yeah getting, getting exchanged getting because you have creative. to make it. yeah you've got to find a way to make things work and, and especially as we mentioned with the cap you had to be creative
1: the other thing i think uh worth mentioning about this is goes back to something we mentioned uh, before the season in that the Hurricanes uh, basically just made the one signing in the offseason, signing Jesper fast as a free agent. By the way, not flashy, but fit perfectly. I Correct. think we'd all say that that's worked out. That's kind of been the common thread in the Hurricanes and the moves that the Hurricanes have made this year. It's It's been all about fit and not as much about splash. Um, and in a season like this, uh, I think it is important because again, when you look back at training camp, it was a quick camp. there was n- there were no exhibition games. you just hopped right into the regular season. So the hurricanes I think benefited from not having wholesale changes to their lineup. They basically had the same group they had in the bubble a few months before uh, with maybe a new face in there, maybe a couple not in there. but you're still uh, the guys playing on your uh, on your team, are the ones that were with you just a few months ago in the bubble. The same can be said for for now this trade deadline. The Hurricanes are basically going to have the same roster that they've had almost all year. There's not a lot of change uh, that had to happen, and I think that's going to benefit the Hurricanes because, one, there's not a lot of practice time. Uh, so if you bring in a ton of new faces, that's uh, uh, it, it's tough to figure out during a game versus yep. you know being able to either bond with them uh, off the ice uh, or just kind of figure it out in practice. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's just going to be beneficial for the Hurricanes that they didn't make a lot of changes, and that's kind of what head coach Rod Brendamore likes. He, he doesn't want change for the sake of change. And when you have a group, when you have a roster that you like, uh, you might as well keep it together. And yeah. that's what the Hurricanes were able to do for the most part at the trade deadline with addressing one very specific need uh, that they honed in on. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should we uh should we take some voicemails? I think we should. And how could people reach us if they want to leave a voicemail here for CanesCast, Michael? It's very simple. We have a toll free number. Do do numbers still exist that have tolls? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, ours is toll free.
0: Yeah, it's there's, 9- there's
1: I don't call those numbers. Oh, but I'm sure there are those who do. That's true. Uh, you can call us toll free. It's nine one nine five hundred seven eight one nine. Um, you'll hear us greet you, uh, and then you'll be able to leave us a question, a comment. Uh, Anything you want. Hello, friends. It's 919-500-7819.
3: Hey, guys. This is Scott, the uh, Atlanta Caniac, listening to you talking about the future of the three goalies. uh, And I wondered if one of the goalies were to be the odd man out, would they ask to be sent or Left available to be sent to the Seattle team, uh, would that be a opportunity for either Reimer or N- uh to start a new tradition, be a part of a new thing, being a young person like that? Just something to muddle over uh, if going to the Seattle team would be seen as a demotion Or would it be seen as a great opportunity to establish a new tradition? Thinking about Marc-Andre Fleury going out to the Golden Knights and their magical first season. And uh, anyway, hope y'all are uh, excited about hearing this. Talk to you after a while.
1: Well, that's a good question and a good point, Scott, is, um, you know, whoever ends up going to Seattle, um, I think, deserves to be excited about the new opportunity. Sure. It's um when you look at the success the Vegas Golden Knights had in their first season and really every season since um of course the Kraken are going to want to aspire to be that. I don't know if they'll reach that level because I think the other general managers uh, seeing how they handled the last expansion draft uh, might operate this one a little differently. Um, which is going to make it harder on, on Ron Francis and his staff. But at the same time, I think they're going to assemble a pretty good team. Uh, and whoever it is, whether it's one of the three goaltenders or, or someone else, uh, is, is going to have a good opportunity. Now, the interesting thing to note with these three goaltenders Uh, is that uh, none of them have a contract yet for next season. Yeah, that's something to pay attention to. Yeah, that's going to be something to watch uh, heading into the offseason. There's uh, a situation where Nedeljkovic could end up being an unrestricted free agent based on games played. That's something to watch out for, but Peter Morozik and and James Reimer are both uh, pending unrestricted free agents. Um, So uh, the goaltending situation is going to be is going to have to be addressed one way or the other for the Hurricanes this summer uh, because they're going to need a couple guys uh, on their roster. And that's going to be uh, uh, something that that I think these next few months and the playoffs kind of help maybe tip their hand on on who they're going to want to uh, explore keeping around.
0: And just to go back to it, no, I don't think anybody would view it as a demotion. You know, maybe in the different times of the expansion draft, you're like, oh, well, this team left me out here, so they must not think I'm good enough. But uh, I think that Scott actually kind of answered his own question. All you have to do is see what Vegas did and, and how good they were. You're going to get a chance to be an NHL player. I don't ever view that as a demotion. A demotion is we're going to send you to a different league. Yeah, uh, that's that's a. Dem- I really think that's the demotion. So whoever it is, whoever winds up going there, and look, we know that Ron Francis knows this roster pretty well and this system very well. So if there's something that he wants to find that the Canes can't protect, he'll, he'll go after that. I will be curious, though, Michael, because Seattle was allowed to be involved in this trade deadline. How many things ran across the Kraken desk where it's like, hey, um, this will be in the future, so what do you think about this for the expansion draft? Because that's what George McPhee did with Vegas. Right. He got active in the the trade deadline before – you even had a roster yeah. for Seattle. Seattle doesn't have players to trade, but they
1: have other it's, other currency. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good question, Scott, and yeah. thanks for listening uh, from Atlanta.
4: Hey, Mike and Mike, this is Connor calling in from Cary. Currently enjoying a crispy storm brew and thinking all things Canes. I've got a question for you, and then I'd like to take it on the back end. Uh, for my question, having watched the first game of a two-game set against Detroit, I was wondering what you guys thought of what makes them so difficult to play against because they've kind of had our number to an extent this season. You know, coming in, I wouldn't have thought Detroit was going to be the, the one where we'd have an even series after six games, but, you know, here we are. Um, just wondering what you all thought of them specifically and why they're such a tough matchup for the Canes. Um And then for my legacy ticket, um, I have an interesting one for you. So we've seen – match comes so close to scoring many times recently but he seems to just be in a bit of a slump and he's playing a bit frustrated so my like to take it is uh, Andre will have a hat trick before the season ends, just really letting go of all that frustration um, so let me know what you think love the pod keep it up great work moin moi go Cain
1: Wow Connor really just nailing all the I podcast mean, that's, that's it that's a home run you touch can, every base and yeah, coming for our jobs he's pretty good at it sure crispy storm brew moy moy there are a lot
0: out there that
1: <laughs> never mind um i'll take uh i'll take the the this first
0: if you like it you can take it if you don't send it right back i'll take it as well
1: you're going to take it yeah. i was going to send it back oh you don't think Svetch is getting a hat trick before the end of the season no no i oh, think ye- uh, i find your lack of faith disturbing. disturbing yeah uh i think he'll have a couple multi goal games but I don't know if he gets a hat trick.
0: I'll give it. I'll give him to him. I think he'll get a hat okay. trick. I that's
1: think good. he will. Um, See, yeah. I, I'll actually take. He'll get a hat trick over
0: a couple of multi-goal games. Oh, yes. Okay. Bold. Just saying. Well, I mean, that's going down the line that you're going. I think once he gets the the snowball rolling, well, that's why he I, can pump three in. Yeah, in maybe. a game. That's what I'm saying. I. But multi-goal games are difficult. Yeah. Um.
1: But I, I, and you think,
0: put an S on that, not a multi-goal oh yeah. game. You yeah, went games.
1: I could just see him getting two in a couple of games down the stretch of the season. See, I'm, I'm gonna go with our, our good friend here, Connor, where when they come in bunches. Yeah, it's if he gets two, he'll get three. Right. Like
0: that's how that's how I look
1: at that. And then uh, the, the, the question about Detroit. I think we kind of touched on it. All
0: right, can I answer this one?
1: Okay, sure. They're paid professional athletes who want to win the hockey game too. Yeah, but why them and not Tampa Bay or Florida?
0: I think they've got a lot of speed. And I think that systematically that they have found a way to match up and take things away from the Carolina Hurricanes. I think the Canes at times, and you said it earlier on this podcast, have gotten cute against Detroit. Yeah, Instead of playing that north-south, keep it simple kind of hockey game, they get out of themselves – Detroit's gotten a chance to get a lead. Detroit's gotten good goaltending, too. Jonathan Bernier has been good against the Hurricanes this year. He's been excellent. And and that is the biggest X factor. In sports, there are three X factors. In hockey, it's goaltending. In baseball, it's pitching. In football, it's quarterback play. And the funny thing is, goaltending is never off the ice, where pitching and... Quarterback play is, so other things can get you out of that. But if you get a goalie who's hot and is feeling it, he can make life miserable for a bunch of shooters. And Bernier has been good. Grice was all right the night before, but the Canes still pumped four on him. Yeah. And technically five, because I think the Nino Niederreiter goal counts. But then does the Ajo goal happen if the Niederreiter one isn't taken off the board? Then you're
1: ripping into the fabric yeah, of,
0: of time yeah. and space, and I'm not Matthew McConaughey. Wow.
1: Well. All right, all right, all right,
0: <laughs> but uh, it's Detroit has Detroit has players who, uh, if if you start to gamble, th- they like to gamble too. You know they they'll play a little bit more open, and you saw a lot of odd man rushes by Detroit because they took advantage of that. And plus, you know they they have to play a hard style of game just to be in it, and, and, ma- and that's it.
1: And maybe LJ just gives them a big old
0: rah rah speech before the game. Maybe he puts money on the Our board. Good friend LJ Scarpace, yeah, former video. Uh, assistant here, video coach with the Carolina Hurricanes with he and Chris Huffine, and uh, he's a Michigan native, is yeah. LJ, so he got the chance to go back to Detroit and work for the Red
1: Wings. Maybe. Maybe. I, I doubt he's listening, but if you are LJ, we miss you here. Maybe he's given the Herb Brooks speech of his life before every game. Might, I don't know. I have to ask him. All right. Uh, Hope thanks, that answers your question, Connor. Yeah, great call. Yeah, great call, and uh, enjoy that crispy storm brew. This is Cody uh,
5: from Greensboro. Um I have a question and a comment. Uh, so my question is how does the, the daily, I guess it's using the cap release, um, for sending players up and down from the taxi squad, did they have to, uh, go through waivers each time or is it just that first time? Cause it seems like every single day after a game, you see like Jake Bean or dude Garner going up and down. Um, and then for my comment, uh, it seems like, I was always a person who thought last year our problems weren't our goaltending. Um, that wasn't in question. It just seemed like it was the secondary scoring, and I see that this year we have that secondary scoring. It's almost like uh players like Ajo uh, is kind of going under the radar of having still a great season, but because you're getting Vincent Trocheck and Meterrider install all contributing, in nature as well, you don't really notice him as much, which I think is pretty cool and interesting that that is a very successful uh, team to have that much depth.
1: Well, Thanks for that call, Cody. Greensboro, and OG Kaniac May
0: Hold it down. Um, Just a few miles away from the hometown of the
1: Webb's Michael Smith. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to answer your question about taxi squad, yes, waivers – Uh, So for a player like Jake Bean, Jake Bean does not require waivers because of his his age, his experience, and the NHL games played, all that. So he can go up and down from the taxi squad as many times. He's still
0: on his ELC, right?
1: Yes, as the Hurricanes want. Um, Jake Gardner did pass through waivers and can now, uh, since he's cleared, he can go up and down from the taxi squad for uh, a period of 30 days, I think it is, for a month. Uh, until he would then have to clear waivers again in 30 days before he was able to do that. So it's it it, it depends on the player. If the player requires waivers uh, to go to the minor leagues. So think of the taxi squad as like the Chicago Wolves, but but here yep. uh, the minor leagues, but here. So uh, in order to uh, if a player has to pass through waivers to go to Chicago, um, then they must pass through waivers to go. To the taxi squad. Uh, if they don't, they can be yo-yoed off the taxi squad all season long, like Jake Bean has, and that's strictly to get um, just a, a little cap relief each day of the season. And it, it's the same thing with Jake Gardner; you get a little cap relief uh, every day that he's on the taxi squad. So, um, I hope that answers your question and yeah. clears that up. Yeah. Um, as for the, I
0: think the, I think the confusing part was because we've seen so many veterans. Is is it do they always have to be put on waivers? To go back and forth from the taxi squad, and what you've cleared up for everybody is no. Once they've cleared it the first time, you get a window where you can keep sending them back and forth, where you then get the cap relief by doing so by putting them on the taxi
1: squad. But when that thirty days expires, you have to send them through through waivers again. That's correct. There you go. Uh, and then yeah, secondary scoring. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's uh, that's I that's kind of what we pinpointed at the start of the season. Is you know the big question everyone else was asking was goaltending. Yep. But we said, okay, well, what about secondary scoring? Can Nino Niederreiter uh, produce like he did two seasons ago? And he certainly has this year. Can uh, Marty Natchez take that next step in becoming uh, really a star in this league? And I think that's been answered. Um, And then, obviously, you have contributions from Jordan Stahl this year and his line. So as long as the Hurricanes can continue to get that depth scoring, they'll be just fine. And you haven't had it from Tavo
0: Taravainen because he's been... Injured for the majority of the season. Had the COVID issue uh, early on and now the concussion issue. But and you've still gotten production up and down the lineup. And, yeah, I think that it's funny. Sebastian Ajo has 17 goals and 21 assists on the season right now.
1: He's got 17 goals and 21 assists yeah. in 41 games. Yeah, so two, he's, 38
0: he's, points. he's basically a point-per-game player right now. Very close. And I know that... <laughs> I've had some people go, oh, what's wrong with Sebastian Ajo? And I'm like, what's wrong with him?
1: He's going to score 20 in a 56-game yeah. season.
0: He might have he might have 56 points in 56 games. That's a pretty good year. And
1: 20 goals in a 56-game season is basically a 30-goal season in a regular 82-game yeah. season. And
0: the fact that Nino Niederreiter has regained his scoring touch and his confidence, 15 goals on the season. That's huge. And he scores. The yeah. thing that I like about Niederreiter, this hasn't been a one-trick pony as far as scoring goals. First off, uh, for Niederreiter on the season, he has got uh, what is it, thirty-six points? No, twenty-six points. I'll do the math quickly: fourteen and eleven. I wanted to give him more, um, so no, fifteen and eleven. So twenty-six points. I was told there'd be no math, but he's got <laughs> twenty. No he's got twenty. He's got twenty-six points, Michael, and twenty-two of them have come at even strength. Yeah, that's big. So. It's not like this has just been you know, all power play numbers for Nino Niederreiter. He scored coming down the wing, just ripping absolute missiles into the net. Uh, he scored in front of the net. He scored off of deflections. I mean, that's, that's something that's encouraging. So, oh, good question, good thoughts.
5: Hey, Mike and Mike. Uh, this is Andrea from Boston. Now that the trade deadline is over, I wanted to ask about how are players able to up and move so quickly? Um, some players end up in their new city after, like, less than 24 hours. How are they able to find housing so fast? Does the team help at all in that regard? I'm sure it's easier for those partners who have significant others, but for players who are single, how do they manage this? Thanks so much. Love the show. Have a good
1: day. Bye. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you very much, Andrea. Thank you. Yes,
0: uh, the team helps out. Generally, there is a an agreement uh, there is a place with an extended stay hotel in the area where uh, the team can put up a player until they can find a place. But uh, the team also has realtors, real estate agents who they work with, where there's places available. Sometimes teammates will offer up, uh, hey, you know, especially if you know a guy, uh, he can stay with me until he finds his own place. But 99% of the time, usually you're living in a hotel until you can get situated and get an apartment or or
1: a home or something along those lines yeah and it's this year with protocols and and COVID-19 restrictions and such makes it a little more difficult um yeah. in the case of pa, uh the Hurricanes were able to fly him out uh, to Raleigh from Anaheim on Monday or from California at least um Monday night yeah he was in San Jose he was in San Jose so he gets here Monday night um doesn't miss a day of testing. That's important so that he doesn't have to quarantine or anything. Um, is able to get tested here on Tuesday morning. Hayden Fleury then took that same jet that brought pie here. He t- he takes it back west uh, to California, so he doesn't miss a day of testing either. So he can jump right into the Ducks lineup. Uh, so they, the logistics uh, usually aren't this intricate, yeah. but this year team services uh, – has to go a little extra and, and find those. That's a private jet flight that they have to take, too, because if it's commercial, then yep. they have to quarantine. Uh, so there are a lot of different factors that go into it this year. Um, that's a very good question, Andrea, from Boston. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And uh, thanks for hopefully you root for the Canes and not for the Bruins. But if you do root for the Bruins. Oh, she's, she's calling the Canes cast. So That's true. Not calling
0: Bruins cast. Yeah, is there even one? I, I haven't bothered to look.
5: Hi, this is Brian in Raleigh.
0: I have a like-it-you-can-take-it.
5: Whoever comes out of the Central will win the Cup this year.
1: That's a straightforward one.
0: First off, love it. Gets right to the point. No meandering. Here's what I got. I want to agree with this, but I have to send it back because Colorado and Vegas and, don't look now, but Washington – yeah, are all really good. I'm gonna take it. I don't think that I don't think you're wrong in taking it. I'm not gonna talk you out of it. I want to. This is this goes back to the we will score a hat trick thing. I think we both.
1: I think we'll both agree that whoever wins the North is not going to win the Cup. I would hope. <laughs> Sorry, Canada. Sorry, Eric Stahl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Montreal does end up coming out of the, the North,
0: the funny thing is Montreal is a team that would scare me because Carey Price in a seven game series. Yeah. I know that we I think we have made the legend of Carey Price now bigger than Carey Price, which I think is Well, but I think, it's hard to do because Carey Price is excellent.
1: Excellent. I th- he was one of the reasons why they were able to win a series in the bubble.
0: That's why. So, so that's why I'm saying if you get to if Montreal gets to the final 4, they frighten me because I think Carey Price can win a series. Yeah like we just talked about with goaltending, why Detroit has had success against the Carolina Hurricanes. You have a goaltender. I've seen it firsthand. A goaltender get into another team's head to where the other team wouldn't say the goalie's name. Yeah. Because that happens. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, sorry, Canada. You're not
1: going to win the cup. No. It's going to remain in the United States yes. just like it has. Where it belongs since last...
0: 1993. Yeah. So. Going on 30 years. Try again next year, Canada. Sure.
5: Hello, Mike and Michael and all you great Caniacs listening to this fine podcast. I'm coming to you this after last night's unfortunate second loss to Detroit.
2: Um, I'm expecting
5: a very, very different game come Thursday. Anywho, Mike's question is, come next season, will we see a banner retirement ceremony for Cam Ward? I uh, love listening to this podcast, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a great day. Let's go, Kings.
1: Well, uh, I don't think we got a name there, but thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Um, glad you're enjoying this fine podcast. Yes, we appreciate it, it. Fine podcast.
0: I think one day we
1: will. I don't think next season. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Okay. Um, that's all the voicemails we have, but I think that's we some, have a couple of Twitter questions. Oh, here we've got we a few things
0: on the old Twitter question.
1: Uh, this is from Adam Webster at
0: Webbo26. underscore. Oh, nice. With the departure of Fleury and his number four jersey, is this the first time in Kane's history where there isn't a player with a single-digit jersey number? Mainstay players like Wesley, Walleen, Gleason must account for most seasons. I did the research on it, Michael. This is the first time that the Carolina Hurricanes will take the ice without a player wearing a single digit. Really. Really. Hmm. They've had Glenn Wesley. Yes. Since relocation. Mm-hmm. They've had Artur Zerbe. Mm-hmm. Tim Gleason with his six. Mm-hmm. Matt Cullen, who wore eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had Aiden Fleury, who wore four. Mm-hmm. Joel Edmondson, who wore six. This is like recently of, of Brian players. Brian Allen were here. with five. Brian Allen with five. Hmm. Yeah. Aiden Fleury wore five, too, I think, before he wore four. Yep. No, I did that. Andre Sekera wore four. Ah, oh, yes. So I. I I did the math. Checks out. So no single digit. No eh? single digit. First time in Carolina Hurricanes history they will take the ice. Now, I'm sure there might have been a game where there was injury and things yeah, like that, I was gonna but say, yeah. But where there's not a player listed on the roster who wears a single digit. Interesting. Because I mean there were games this year where Hayden Flurry was a scratch. That's and true. And there was that's no single true. digit on the ice.
1: Yeah. So
0: not not one
1: on the roster.
0: Yes, then. this is yeah. not one on the That's it. Uh, Not a single-digit jersey number on the roster. Fair? Fair. Okay. Okay. Uh, One more uh, if we're going to get down this line. And we've kind of answered this, but I will continue to go with this. If you're ready, Mr. Smith. I am ready. It's from our good friend from across the pond. Paul Lawson? That is correct. Hey, Paul. Hope you're well. Do you believe in jinx
1: teams? We just can't seem to beat the Red Wings. No, I do not. Well, we know your stances on jinxes. So. I don't believe in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't either. I just, yeah. Hey. Uh, Have the, a dram. <laughs> enjoy the Scottish weather. And the Hurricanes are not going to see the Red Wings in the playoffs. so That's a plus, uh, right? That, that is a plus.
0: The wee man speaks the right words here, <laughs> as Paul likes to call you. Yes. Uh, oh, you're a wee fella. <laughs> He's a good lad.
1: He is a good lad. All right, that's it. Okay. Good with that. All right. Well, you good thanks, with that. I'm good with that. Our thanks to uh, Henry Stahl Absolutely. for joining us earlier on this podcast. Thank you. And our thanks to all of our wonderful listeners for tuning in to this podcast. Thank you. Our thanks to Storm Brew
0: for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you. Just 97 calories, 2.4 carbs. Pick it up anywhere you get your favorite beverages. Any of the beer stores that are out there in the area or grocery stores. Go ahead and pick yourself up a 12-pack of Storm Brew. As always, enjoy responsibly and all of the other great beverages that R&D Brewing provides here in the area. Yep,
1: yeah. and just $5 at PNC Arena. on a 16-ounce can? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 uh And if you have a question or a comment or, you know, whatever. Just give us, a general thought. Yeah, give us a ring. Toll-free. I'm just going to start saying that. <laughs> 919-500-7819. <laughs> it's 919 <919-500-7819. laughs> uh, 500 it's episode 171.
0: Yeah. In the books. In the books for everybody who is out there. Michael. That's a,
1: that's a phrase that uh, I just find, I don't know, I find it funny because you, you hear it in a the lot. Books? Yeah, in the books. I mean, you put it in the history books. Yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes you hear it a lot and you're like, all right, well, in the books. That's another podcast in the books. Yeah, this one is. It, it belongs. Or on, or on the internet, I guess. It belongs to history now.
0: It does. And it belongs to you, the can kind to it. Uh, and if you want to be kind to the podcast, uh, you can always rate us. Where can they rate us? Apple Podcasts. Thank you very
1: much. That's apparently the only place you can do that. And uh, five stars, best friends for life. Yep. Everything else, don't even bother. You,
0: wow. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm willing to go, like, four stars are fine. Four stars are you
1: like it. But, you know, there's a few things that could use tweaking. We all can agree to that. Four stars, you know, leave us some constructive criticism maybe. You know, maybe a little. Ah. Yeah. Some positive feedback, or let us know if we need to, you know, venture into a new
0: genre. Thank you. Although there is somebody who is going to come after us because we use these same drops. Thank you all the time. Thank you, and I'm fine with that. Me too. This is Bill Bernstein coming to you live from the Canes locker room. We stayed in our lane all day today, Bill. All day today, Bill. Crowd noise only. Oh, that's still so good to hear. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, it's a perfect way for us to yeah, say. Slide on out of here. Goodbye to this one. Yep. Absolutely. For the web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. We'll talk to you next week. Moy moy. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this <laughs> podcast.
2: Go Canes.